This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, welcome back. And it is time for another... Yeah, no, we're recording. We're recording, Producer Vanessa. You know, there's always some live stuff happening. I feel like there's nothing like a live show. I always love it. It's chaotic. It's a little bit everywhere. But guess what? The finishing product, you'll never know. Oh, no. you We, we work our know. best mm-hmm. to be the quintessential professional here down at the Channel Q. <laughs> it's very true. It's very <laughs> true. Welcome back to another beautiful day. Another beautiful show here on Let's Go There with Cheer. And Ryan, Cheer is out on vacation. Charge Cell is joining me. Mm-hmm. What's up, Queen? You got your tea? I do have my tea, and I have some scalding hot tea reports today, so <laughs> the show is jam-packed, you all. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about. Coming up, hospitals across the country are having to turn away patients. Is it too late to find a solution? And a major Wendy Williams update coming up in the tea report with Sharjah Sal. Let's get into the show, though. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so a brightly colored soldier um, fly native to Australia has been named in honor of RuPaul. So there's this new bug. It's called the rainbow fly. Mm. You know, Australia has all the weird animals. Australia actually terrifies me <laughs> because of their spiders. Yeah. Their wildlife. They're like as big general. as our heads. Yeah, and some of them are so deadly. You know, you watch little nature shows like mm-hmm. I do. Like, oh my goodness. Australia- do you really? Oh gosh, yes. I love a nature I'm show. I'm never watching a nature show. I get so nervous. I've been seeing all of these animals recently online. Like, you know, if one of their members of their packs are getting attacked, the, the rest of them come in. You don't watch in. like when Oprah it's narrated or Snoop Dogg narrated. It's too much. I could never it's do that. so, oh my God, it's such easy breezy background noise. But yes, yeah. Australia is, you know, they, they wear the crown for the wildest yeah. wildlife. Anything happens in Australia. Well, this fly that was named after RuPaul was named by B- Dr. Brian Lessard, who has now named 50 insects, beginning with a fly named Beyonce. I remember that one. It's got like gold flecks in it yes. and stuff. I thought it was a bee, though, but I guess it's a fly. Well. Okay. Um, he says that using pop culture references can help raise awareness around insect species, which are so crucial to the ecosystem, if you didn't know. He told The Guardian that wildfires and other disasters have often focused attention on cute and cuddly animals like koalas, but that insects are just as important. Now, Dr. Brian, I mean, they probably are, They're good but for I don't the like ecosystem. No I don't like so insects. I was just about to ask, how would you feel if a scientist told you we're, la- we're naming this new spider the Slay God? Beautiful. Because it kills you in 10 seconds. It slays you. Well... You know, that is that's on brand for me. Wow. <laughs> wow. Take note, listeners. Take note. But 
I would be like, yeah, you're going to have to kill him. Kill him <laughs> and get him up out of here. I don't ever want to see him. Um, but shout out to RuPaul. Got a beautiful rainbow-colored fly named after them because RuPaul is fly. Let me tell you that. Now, President Joe Biden agreed on Thursday um, the U.S. is at an inflection point as he pushed for the passage of his economic packages in Congress. He also took the time to push for, quote, big corporations and the super wealthy to pay their fair share of taxes. Here is a clip of that. Big corporations and the super wealthy have to start paying their fair share of taxes. It's long overdue. I'm not out to punish anyone. I'm a capitalist. If you can make a million or a billion dollars, that's great. God bless you. All I'm asking is you pay your fair share. Pay your fair share. I guess AOC's dress worked. I mean, but how does how do we <laughs> implement this into law? How do we implement to make sure Bezos is paying his fair share? Well, I guess that's what his package, his economic package is is trying to do. And he's really trying to get Congress, everyone on Congress to kind of see it his way. But... I don't know. It just seems like President Joe Biden just has to do a lot of talking, and it's unfortunate seems because like that's it's just all like, he's really been doing. Just write a mandate if you can. Like, yeah. do I don't know. I feel like what what are you as a president if you can't just sign something executively? Um, I mean, well, you know there is a chain of command. I know, but Donald Trump didn't that care is about true. that. That is true. Donald Trump will sign an executive. So you saying <laughs> Joe Biden needs some spark up under that's him? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just a little bit, you know. Now before I throw it over to the T report, um, let's talk about I'm listening. Join Channel. Thank you on Thursday, September 23rd at 6 p.m. for I'm Listening, a live two-hour show featuring some of the biggest names in music, sports, and insight from some of the most respected mental health professionals as we strive to destigmatize talking about mental health. Now, hear personal stories from Little Nas X, Billie Eilish, Lizzo, Normani, and so many more. Honestly, it's a jammed pack moment. Dr. Alfie, who you know here from Let's Go There, honey, yes, she started out here. Let me put it out there. She's now hosting this, which is absolutely incredible because nice. she's amazing. Um, so stick around for that. Uh, I'm listening. It's happening Thursday, September 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m., um, if you want to know more, I'm listening.org. Now, what's popping in the tea report? Oh, my goodness. How are you doing? We got another Wendy update. Now, it was just earlier this week I told you all that her season premiere for season 13 has been pushed back to October 4th uh-huh. because at first they said she had health issues. Now they're saying she had COVID. And I told you all on record I did not believe <laughs> you that. Sh- you sure did. Now, according to page six, which, by the way, did you watch the four-part gossip documentary on Showtime? I know you've been busy watching yeah, TV. I have, but it, I haven't gotten to see that yet. Part one is a... Uh, Part two, three, and four, mm, it speaks to page six. But anyway, according to page six, Wendy Williams has reportedly been taken to the hospital earlier this week for a mental health check. A spokesperson for the NYPD told page six on Thursday that they received a call at 8.43 a.m. on Tuesday requiring an ambulance to transport a 57-year-old woman residing at Williams' Manhattan address for a psychiatric evaluation. And I'm not going to say the hospital she was taken to because that's not fair. However, Ryan sent over to me uh, some pictures that are in the Daily Mail and I must say as a fan and a viewer despite Wendy being problematic I have been a fan of hers Wendy does not look too well and even according to the Daily Mail there was uh, photos of her 21 year old son Kevin Hunter Jr. pushing a wheelchair now Wendy was on her feet in the pictures but she did not look well and the fact that her son had a wheelchair we don't know what's going on but I'm personally I'm hoping um, that Wendy has a speedy recovery so she can 
Come back to us on Monday, October 4th with all of the energy and ready for the hot topics. Because right now, as a viewer, I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, honestly. How you doing? So that's your T-Report. We got more show, obviously, coming up next. If you want to always check out more details about any of the stuff we're covering and what's trending this hour in the T-Report, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com. But right now, let's get into the show. In the midst of the pandemic, Americans are dying because no hospital will take them. Is it too late to find a solution? Well, Vox.com is joining us up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The ongoing pandemic has revealed many flaws in the U.S. healthcare systems and how it's impacting hospitals across the country. Joining us is Dylan Scott, a senior correspondent covering all healthcare for Vox. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So in your article, you mentioned that U.S. hospitals are having to ration health care for patients. What do you mean by that and how bad is it actually getting? Yeah. So, you know, rationing health care can mean a lot of different things, obviously. But I think what we're thinking about right now is like usually in the United States and in most places, like if you show up in a hospital and you need medical attention, you're able to get it. Right. Um, and so what we're seeing start to happen, especially in some of the, the states and cities that have been really overwhelmed by COVID lately, is somebody goes to a hospital with an acute medical emergency and there isn't any room for them at their hospital. And in fact, there might not be room uh, for them at a hospital anywhere nearby. And so like their, their medical uh, condition starts to get worse. And in a few uh, a few situations, we've actually seen patients who've died because they weren't able to, to get a hospital bed and they weren't able to get the care that they need. Uh, we had a story out of Texas uh, last week about a guy, he went to his local ER because he was having a gallbladder problem that should have been treatable. His local hospital wasn't equipped to do it, but you know the doctor started calling, calling around to nearby hospitals, couldn't find any beds. He even started calling out of state um, and couldn't find mm-hmm. anywhere to take him. Um, by the time they actually did find a bed for this patient uh, and were transporting there, his organs shut down and he ended up dying. Um, we yeah, saw the more... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I was wondering because I, before I was going to answer my question, I mean, excuse me, ask my question, I saw that NPR tweeted out on September 13th that a man uh, who suffered a cardiac emergency died after being turned away from 43 ICUs in three states, all at capacity yeah. from COVID. And his obituary included this plea, quote, in honor of Ray, please get vaccinated if you have not in an effort to free up resources for non-COVID related emergencies. Yeah, that was another one of those anecdotes that is that is really, I think, hit people hard because, and it's the exact same thing. This guy goes to the hospital with, a, you know, cardiac emergency, but something that you would think would be treatable. But the problem is there isn't a bed uh, for him. There isn't a nurse who can look after him. Uh, and if I recall correctly, like he, it, he, the one place that they ended up finding was 200 miles away from where he lived, and they weren't able to get him there in time. Um, and this is starting. You know, these are individual anecdotes, obviously, but this is starting to happen at like the systemic level uh just today idaho went in went into what's called like emergency standards of care because their icu capacity is like over 95 percent at this point and basically what that means is like nurses and doctors are now going to like look at this rubric and you know instead of just trying to treat everybody 
um, they're they're going to make, maybe have to make hard decisions about like, all right, which patient, which of these patients should I actually focus wow. on? Which of these patients is and, most likely to survive? And that's the um, and interesting thing. So when we're talking thing. about rationing care, yeah. I think that's what we mean. Well, no, that's also really the interesting thing too, Dylan, because we've talked here on the show about some doctors across the country are just like refusing to take care of unvaccinated patients. And mm. I, I wonder, are you starting to see more of that on top of this frustration, uh, frustrations of trying to get hospitals under control? So that that's certainly like a tricky, I, I've seen the same kind of stories. I mean, that's a hard thing, you know, like the Hippocratic Oath and everything, like do no harm. Um, and, uh, you know, usually for these kinds of emergency standards of care, you know, as far as I know, there isn't like an unvaccinated, vaccinated uh, criteria. It's like which patient is most likely to survive. Maybe that's the vaccinated patient. Maybe that's the unvaccinated patient. It probably depends on the individual uh, situation. But I do think what's, you know, obviously, Doctors and nurses, I think, are clearly fed up with this idea that, like, this this crisis was avoidable. If people would have gotten vaccinated, it wouldn't be nearly this bad. There was just a new estimate that came out this week that found uh, 300,000 hospitaliza- COVID hospitalizations uh, in the last three months would have been avoidable uh, if the person had been vaccinated. And so, like, it's clear that people's reluctance, uh, this lingering reluctance to get vaccinated is what's driving uh, this crisis in our hospitals. And patients, you know, vaccinated and unvaccinated alike are the ones who are paying the price for that. Um, So what I would like to know is what can we learn from other countries that are handling this better? Because it seems like our healthcare Mm. system is all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, the thing is, like, I write, I know I think those words are in that the, the story that I wrote about the U.S. health system. But like, the truth is, there is no U.S. health system. Like, we have a bunch of individual hospitals or individual hospital systems, but they don't have any way to coordinate yeah. or communicate with one another. Um, and, you know, something as I was reporting out this story, something that a few uh, scholars pointed out to me is like, it's not that the U.S. I mean, the U.S. has obviously been hit very hard by COVID, but like plenty of other wealthy countries have been hit hard by COVID too. places like Canada and the United Kingdom, especially. Um, But one of the big differences is when, you know, when they were in the worst of their emergencies, when they were coming up against these same kind of situations where hospitals seemed really strained and they were worried about running out of room for people, they actually had like a a kind of central or higher authority that could kind of take over and start managing patients. You know, maybe we need to move 200 patients from here to here to free up some space. You know, I talked to a California hospital executive last year uh, who was running out of ventilators and he didn't, he didn't have any higher authority to appeal to. He just called another hospital down the road and said like, Hey, do you think you could spare a couple of ventilators for us for a little while. And so I think, you know, obviously nationalized, centralized healthcare is something that's really politically fraught here in the United States. But something that I think has become very clear is that at least in an emergency, you need some kind of way to centrally manage patients and, and be able to move people around so that you can keep space free where you need it. And we just don't have that. So we're doing it on the fly and we're obviously do it, not doing it very well uh, based on some of these stories. That and are it's coming a mess. Out of people dying. <laughs> and, I mean, it really is. And, and Dylan Scott, we have to wrap up here. But thank you so much for joining us because yes, this so good. is a problem that we really need to figure out. Dylan Scott is a senior correspondent covering healthcare for Vox.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Dylan. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so, you know, the Nicki Minaj saga just continues and continues and continues. And unfortunately, I'm tired. 
I mean, Ryan, I've been tired <laughs> of both her and this saga. And I mean, I know she probably didn't even think this was going to become an international scandal. <laughs> um, but guess what, Nikki? It did. And if you don't know, if you've been kind of living under a rock, brief recap. Uh, Nikki tweeted out some concerns uh, and also tweeted out a story about her her cousin's friend whose testicles ended up being swollen from the vaccine, blah, blah, blah. Everyone and their mother has debunked this. It's not real. It's been discussed everywhere. And (laughs) it would not have even reached the magnitude that it reached had Nikki not quadrupled down. And kept doing it, you know? And then, of course, she says that the White House actually invited her uh, to come and talk to, to... you know, come and talk more about everything going on, the vaccine, find out more information. Well, the White House ended up releasing a statement last night being like, we never invited her. We asked her to do a phone call, but that was it, not to actually come. Yeah, because I saw some tweet of, she said she was going to be in all pink, like Elle Woods and Legally Blonde. Yes, yes. And so she was upset when they, they want an unvaccinated person in the White House. Exactly. Everybody's vaccinated. Well, exactly. And so she was upset because she was like, well, why would I lie Prove about, um, you know, going to the White House? And she went on Instagram live last night. And here is a little clip of what she had to say. The Democratic Party in general and so many people jumping at the chance to, OK, well, hmm, we can't um, make fun of the actual story anymore and and talk about testicles and balls till they drop dead and make and make that a joke so now we have to uh, attack her personally i want you guys to see what is happening and they and they had to make sure it came from a black person first because if it came from a white person, the black people would be like, oh, you're racist in this. So let's peep this. The first attack was from a black woman. Give me a break, oh. Nikki. She is a perpetual victim. I have never, ever, ever seen or heard yeah. Nicki Minaj publicly say what she could have done differently mm-hmm. or take responsibility or full ownership for the ways in which she contributes to her own drama. She is yeah. a perpetual victim victim it's so irritating to watch it's i mean it's really been um awful to watch if i'm being honest because we've seen her basically reaffirmed people like tucker carlson um candace owens candace owens um anna navarro Navarro made a funny joke on the view today (laughs) saying this is the first time tucker carlson ever like you know defended a black woman Bada boom, bada bing. Which is yeah. great. But here's the thing that I really think we need to touch on. Because we talked, me and Char talked about this earlier this week when we were talking about Alfonso David. And I think there's something to be said about weaponizing race in moments like this, especially when it has nothing to do about that. The black woman she's referring to, if you did not know, um, Joy Reid from MSNBC actually spoke out and was just like, ma'am, I'm really disappointed in the way that you're using your platform. And it wasn't, Sister. Yes. And it wasn't her coming at her nope. negatively. It was just She her. even said she was a fan. Literally said she was a fan, and Nicki Minaj called her out outside of her name and a and, disgusting and, name, and then saying all of these awful things, and now weaponizing blackness in ways that just feel so counterproductive because it has nothing to do with this, and it and, distracts from the real conversation. People yeah. of your same race and of your same gender can call you out and hold you accountable, exactly, without it being you know an operation from the white man, Nicki. <laughs> like th- these are things that happen yeah. without this being like some sneak attack from I guess the the 
establishment. Yeah. But that's what happens when you live in a world where you're just around yes people. Yeah, and everyone just tells you, yes, Nikki, you're right. Your fans say, yes, Nikki, you're right. That you have true. fans in Atlanta, you know, protesting out of the CDC headquarters and no one's oh, being honest with you. It's embarrassing. And Nikki Minaj needs to learn that you just can't say anything and then try to hide it under the guise of you're just asking questions. If you were asking questions, then yeah, you would have hopped on the phone and with the White the House that she quadru- and found out. And it's the fact that she quadrupled yeah. down. Not only did she come out being loud and wrong, saying yeah. things with her whole chest, she stood 10 toes down when when proven otherwise. And I, you know what I noticed? When she, when this first started, people were handling Nikki with kitten gloves because a lot of people thought, oh, you know, it's just a kiki. Yeah, it's just a joke. But she has gotten more visceral. She has gotten more nasty. She's really shown her Republican and I'm freak just, flag. I mean, really, the, the fact that she is not stepping back to look at how all of Fox News and extreme right-wingers are affirming her. Nikki, why don't you take the the horse dewormer? If that's the case, why don't you take the horse dewormer and go live and tell us what that experience is like? (laughs) I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Oh, God. Well, we have more show coming up for you. I hope this is the end of that, but probably won't be, and we'll just be here to talk about it again tomorrow. Now, coming up, Nancy Pelosi has some strong words for Trump if he decides to run for president in 2024. More more details next in What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right, coming up, the dating app that's making it easier for sober people to find love. And according to experts, heteronormativity might actually be harmful and problematic, which honestly, duh. (laughs) Uh, This, again, this feels... Yeah, I'm excited to dive into this because you know be my politics on this. I know, Miss uh, Megan McCain over there sitting next to me. I am not <laughs> Megan McCain. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that on air. I know. Oh my gosh. Well, you've joked about being Anna Navarro. I mean, that is true, yeah. but only Anna Navarro because she's never consistently on The View. That's true. Not because of her politics. <laughs> Goodness. You're, what, am I going to be a log cabin trans woman? What? Well, you just never know. It's 2021, anything. Melania's getting, you know, awards from the Spirit of Lincoln Awards. So anything's possible what at this name. point. What a name. What a name. What a name. Oh, my God. We have so much good show. Sharjah Silla's filling in for Shira Lazar, who is out. Um, and let's keep this party rolling. I'm having a good time. You having a good time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get into what's trending this hour. It's everything you need to know. Colorado Governor Jared Polis is marrying his husband in historic first for the nation. On Wednesday, the Democratic uh, Colorado Governor Jared Polis married his longtime partner Marlon Reyes, I think is it his looks name. Like, or, Reese, or Rice. Or Rice. Reese? In a yeah. small ceremony, this event is the first same-sex wedding of a sitting United States governor. We're starting out with some good news. This is pretty cool. Um, he said this in uh, uh, on his Twitter account. He said, the greatest lesson we have learned over the past 18 months is that life as we know it can change in an instant. Mm. Um, and he's, of course, likely referencing the ongoing global pandemic. Uh, he went on to continue to say, we are thankful for the opportunity to celebrate our life together as a married couple. He says, after 18 years together, we couldn't be happier to be married at last. Oh, I love that. Like, I how love sweet that. is that? And that, that? Let this also be a lesson for those of you listening who are in situations that aren't healthy, good, or productive, yeah. or serve your highest self to walk away. I mean, talk about it. Because life changes in an instant. Here's the thing. The wedding occurred on their eight, on the 18th anniversary of their first date, according to NPR, and was a traditional Jewish ceremony at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Beautiful. 
Um, now, moving on, here's what Nancy Pelosi had to say if Trump decides to run for office in 2024. But it didn't dampen his enthusiasm, did it, when he was impeached the first time? I, mean, I don't ever talk about him. Okay. I mean, I reference him from time to time. As, what's his name? But I, I, don't, uh, I don't think that we have a situation that is on the level there. And um, if he wants to run again... He'll be the first president who was impeached twice and defeated twice. Oh, he'll be the first president impeached twice and defeated. You twice. know, if you wouldn't have told me that that soundbite was Nancy, I, I hear a little bit of Barbara Walters in there. I'd be like, where, did, where, now, where the hell did they get Barbara from? Because you know, Barbara is still with us. A lot of people have thought Honestly, that she's, I, I thought Barbara's you know, still with us. I wonder how she's doing. Well, they say she that she's very, light. very frail, and she stays in like her Fifth Avenue, like whatever. She, I mean, she's terrified of breaking a bone. This is I, a le- I read this a few months ago because you know, when older people break bones, it takes them twenty million years to heal. You know, and that's the one thing I'm very scared about when I'm getting older. Oh yeah, you are very clumsy. I, I break everything. You twisting and dislocating. <laughs> Now, and you ain't even 30. <laughs> oh my God. So let's talk about SpaceX because um, it's really cool. Uh, SpaceX rocket soared into orbit Wednesday evening, carrying four people, none of whom are professional astronauts, and kicking off the first ever mission to Earth's orbit crew entirely by tourist. Um, the launch pad at NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida was dramatically. Uh, illuminated with spotlights against the night sky. And when the SpaceX rocket's nine engines fired up just after 8 p.m. Eastern, it flooded this, the surround. Oh, this is a really intense, like very, you know, wordy. wordy. (laughs) I mean, who cares? Just four random people out in space. And they're a team of amateurs. Uh, One of them included a billionaire who self-funded the mission, a cancer survivor, a community college teacher, and a Lockhead, uh, Lockheed Martin employee. And um, yeah, I mean, they're going into space. Can uh, Would you ever do this if you had the opportunity? No. I mean, I'm terrified of space. Yeah. I don't want to do that. You know, after the... Uh What's the, the, the you know the people that went up and it blew up in the eighties? Oh it was before we were born. <laughs> but like I, I do still, know what you're talking about though. Yes. It's like it's a it's a scary thing, but I but would Earth, do it. Earth is revolting against us, yeah. and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, would I just do feel it. like I'm my so heart ready. would beat out of my chest, piercing yeah. you know the Earth's outer layer to go to space. Well, I most definitely <laughs> want to go to space at some point in time. But let's get into the T report. What's happening, Sean? Well, it's so funny because earlier this week we referenced Mike Richards when we were talking about. Alfonso down at the HRC and like how, you know, black folks and other people of color have to be twice as hard yes, to get yes, half yes. as much. Jeopardy's Mark, uh, Mike Richards. Yes, right? Mike yeah. Richards from Jeopardy. Well, it's been announced that Maya Bialik, excuse me, and Ken Jennings will host the remaining episodes of Jeopardy for the rest of the year. Now, this is according to Variety. Uh, the search for the final permanent host is still going. I still think that they should hire LeVar Burden. He's someone who really wants yeah, but it. They, they, they tried him all the way with him his tryout time being in an awful spot during yeah. the Olympics. Like, they didn't really and he want had to him. practically beg and plead to yes. even get in there. So, so yeah. No. It'll be interesting to see who succeeds, uh, who succeeds Alex Trebek because Alex appealed to everybody. He was just great. But, yeah. yeah. So, they're going to be hosting for the next couple of weeks starting September 20th and running through November 5th. Um, and they'll trade off as their schedules allow. This is when I say they, I'm talking about Bialik and Jennings. And the two of them will tape enough episodes to get Jeopardy through the end of the year. So okay. it'll be interesting to see what 2022 has in store for that show. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't. They need to. 
Jeopardy has been under so much controversy. I don't think it's going to stay on much longer after this. Even it's when such they a staple. Find, I know it goes hand in hand with Wheel of Fortune. I'm sorry. I think it's been so. It's there's a shadow cast over yeah. it with everything happening. I don't think it's going to be, stick around. People and aren't going to watch note, it. We should note that before Alex Trebek passed away, when he sat down with that ABC mm-hmm. interview with T.J. Holmes on Good Morning America, he named some black woman he wanted as his successor. He sure did. And she never even did the the tryout. She wasn't yeah. even invited to that. So they're not yeah. even honoring his wishes. Yeah. Maybe Maybe this would all be resolved if they honored Alex's wishes because maybe he saw something in that woman. Or maybe they should just end it. No, Jeopardy can't go anywhere. I think they, I think it's it an can. American staple. Who, are people really watching? Yes, they are. I don't know. Yes, they are. People who are 28 aren't watching. I would watch Jeopardy. But you don't. True. But there are people, Jeopardy still has a huge fan base. All right, that's your T-Report. Thank you so much, Shy. We have more coming up next hour. What's trending this hour? And of course, the T-Report. And then find out next hour about our amazing mental health conversation, imlistening.org. That I'm going to give you all the details all about. But right now, let's talk about the dating app that is trying to make it easier for sober people to find love. But will it actually work? And also, do you want to know if someone's sober while you're like on the dating app? I do. Okay, well, let's talk about it. That's coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so now if you're like me, you're going to want to know exactly what you're getting into when you're on these dating apps. Well, in celebration of National Sober Day and with the release of new data around drinking and dating, Bumble is exclusively doing this. They just unveiled a new, quote, sober badge that allows users to express their alcohol preferences directly on their profile. Now, First thoughts, what do we think about this? Well, it, it kind of reminds me of like on, I believe it's Hinge, which lets you say like, if you drink socially or not, smoke socially or not, or dabble in other things socially or yeah. not, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but it kind of reminds me of that. But this is actually very helpful because I am someone, when when you presented this story to me, I'm like, wow, my default is like, you want to meet for drinks. Yeah, right. You want to, even though, you know, we've had this conversation, I'm more of a small bites than an open bar. <laughs> And I'm more of an open bar than a small bite. So when I say meat for drinks, I also mean delicious bar snacks, (laughs) a soft pretzel, you know, some some nachos. Ain't no soft pretzel. She talking about a chicken wing, maybe some nachos. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. those two, but not on the first date. I've never seen Char eat no soft pretzel. I love a a soft pretzel. Really? Yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'll take it all. (laughs) I'm not eating chicken on a first date. Why? I just, it's a personal thing. Like a wing? Especially bone-in chicken. No. No, 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 no. Wow. Only because I can get real savage with chicken wings, you know? (laughs) I hate to be the black girl on air saying that, but... I could get, you know, I could get a little ugly with the, with the chicken wing, and I don't want yeah. that on a first date. Yeah. However, um, yeah, it kind of it kind of um, repositions the date where the person doesn't have to be like, oh, I don't want to meet you at this bar yeah. because I don't drink, and so that's when things like coffee dates come in handy. But here's the thing: I also think about most of the time on these dating apps, no one reads profiles anyway. I do. No, but. A lot of people don't. I do, but a lot of people don't. Like you know, no, that I'm, is I'm, true. I'm, a lot of men that that swipe right on me or whatever. And do I not found read out on like one of my because I have you know what my position is. 
For like compatibility. Your yes. Okay. And, for, and it's like a little fun arrow or whatever, okay. you know, whatever it is. And it's and for kind of compatibility. But I've realized people are not reading anything close to my bio and, and they're swiping me, right on me. And I'm just like, to okay. Me, that lets me know whether you're serious or not. If you don't read my bio, we're clearly not looking for the same things. Yeah. You're looking for a hookup. And granted, my bio isn't some sort of like musical sonata yeah. of like what I'm looking for, but it clearly states very intricate details about my life that you need to know about before you decide you want to swipe on me. Well, Ryan knows I also have a graphic in my photo Which album. I hate that she does. I do. Okay, tell, tell, I tell do. the world about I your graphic gra- that you've made. I created a graphic this. in my photo album that says, read my bio before matching with me. I can't. Because it just kept happening so often. Yeah. And even then, people will like, to me, it saves me like the disappointment or the heartache yeah. if you did not read my bio and we really hit it off and then you're ultimately not interested but in me. Isn't there ever a moment where even when you're kind of in the mode of swiping and sometimes you just, you may just forget to swipe and then that's your one chance where you're like, oh my God, I just swiped with a sober person and now I'm over here asking them to go to a bar and you won't know until you're at the bar and they're like, oh, I don't drink. Is that a, is that a deal breaker? Is that a say, mood killer? What I will say is sobriety is not a deal breaker for yeah. me in any way, shape or form, I nor is that. it a mood killer. I can have sober fun. I am not one of these jaded adults out here that requires alcohol or some oh. type of weed yeah. or inebriation Everybody in order to have fun. Everybody trying to tea. No, no, no. I can have plenty of sober fun. I didn't have my first drink until I was 18. While a lot really? of people... Yes, I did not have my first drink until homecoming week of my freshman year of undergrad. Oh, the fact that you remember that is disgusting. I do. High school was full of sober fun and I genuinely had fun and I don't think that I'm that dependent on substances in order to have fun or in yeah. order to engage in a proper date. So if, if, yeah. if someone I match with someone that's sober, that's fine, but that ain't gonna stop me from having my martinis. <laughs> Maybe I won't do it in front of you. Yeah, see, that's but... also a thing for me where I'm like, because I, I dated someone who was sober. I, I dated a guy who was sober for a while. I mean, and it was kind of a new thing for him, but I kept forgetting when we would go out. And then I kind of felt started to feel a little bad being like, I don't, I don't know, know if I should I drink. Forgetting. If I should drink in front of him, I don't want to like trigger um, him yeah. at all. And and for me, it can be a, like a difficult thing where it's just like, how do you bring up really that conversation? Because it's just like we were able to talk about it at some point yeah. where he was just like, yeah, it's fine. I don't care if you drink. If you want to get a cocktail, get a cocktail. Um, but, but for I'm some also people, mindful you can't, of that. You can't do that around. Yes. You, and, and also... I want to trust that they're telling me the truth. Like if they can, if they're just saying that to be nice yeah. or if they actually need to be like, I know, please don't drink around me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can just be very difficult. I do want to know what are some of your deal breakers when dating? Oh my gosh. I hadn't even thought about this. The first thing that comes to mind is hygiene. If your hygiene is <laughs> not to my standard, and I know that that sounds self-centered, but if it is not to my standard, you know, we've uh-huh. had conversations about people not washing legs, yes. people not washing hot spots. Like your hygiene I shower daily, so I'd like my partner to shower daily. I know that we care about Mother Earth, and she's revolting against us and destroying us, but your shower don't have to be 30 minutes. You can hop in there for three minutes and hop out, as long as you lather up and do what you need to do. But for for me, a deal breaker would definitely be hygiene and bad manners. Those are the top two that that come to mind. Um, My deal breakers, for sure, hygiene. I think that's very important. But then also my deal breaker is like being on your phone during the day. Oh, yeah, you're not interested. We're not, if someone does that to me, we yeah. are not looking for the same thing. Yeah. So this is over. Like, I don't want you, if we are sitting here and you've checked your phone more than once, yeah, this is it's over. a done deal. Unless what you ab- tell me. What about if they have their phone face down on the table? Now, I like that, actually. I'm not I'm not thinking, like, they're hiding something. Okay. For me, 
I want. I guess you to I got to work through some trauma. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, put it in your pocket, yes. so I don't have to think about it. But yeah. face down, especially Why face if you're, down. What triggers that? Well, no, I would prefer it to be face up because I don't have anything to hide. Yeah, and it's, it's something about someone checking their phone and intentionally putting it face down that I just. <gasps> I've done I don't that. know I because don't. it's like all right. Well, I'm I'm showing you that your the attention is on you. It's not that on. It, then put it in your pocket. <laughs> put it away. It doesn't even need to be on the table. It's cluttering the silverware and the saucers oh, for the edamame. Uh, <laughs> put it away. I did not know that was such a trigger for you. But yeah. speaking of triggers, um, we're actually going to move forward and talk about Nikita Dragon. If you don't know who that is, she is everywhere <sighs> on the internet because she dropped a new song and she outed all of these men who have either been in her DMs or have hit her up. And they're like celebrity men. Which one of them responded I just saw. <gasps> wow. We're going to get to that and why it's so problematic the way that she just did Lord. this. Here we go. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so let's talk about Nikita Dragon. You know, Nikita Dragon's a friend of the show. We've had her on. Um, But, you know, ever since we've had her on, and it was a while ago, she's just done a lot of questionable things. And, you know, I don't I don't shy away from calling folks out when it's necessary and needed. And she... Ever since Nikita hit the scene, she's done questionable things <laughs> prior to you all having her on. Well, she just declared herself today the first trans pop star. Um, and she began with releasing her new song, um... I don't even think I can say the word. Well, um, it's a four-letter uh, street word or slang word for an- yeah. anatomy. And for... also, it was the name of a, a president who shot someone. Oh, it's a nickname a for president. Richard. Yeah, for Richard. There we go. It's the a nickname for, for Richard. Richard. There we go. <laughs> well, she has been um, under fire because in this video that she released, she just exposed all the men who were either in her DMs, who she's had sexual relationships with, or if she even had relationships with. And she did it in a way where she was, you know, basically saying people are obsessed with her and are sleeping with her without, you know, and private. And it's really brought up this conversation because a lot of people have called out Nikita Dragon for appropriating culture. Which she has numerous times. And then she dismisses people by saying it's not that big of a deal. It's not that deep. I think that's her go to. And so we wanted to have a necessary (laughs) conversation about some of these actions, right? Because for me, it's so conflicting. When you release a song like this, which I have to say we were just talking about her not too long ago, a couple days ago, I think it was, because she wore a a dress that was um, from an artist, um, a painting, Aphrodite. It's called Hermaphrodite. Hermaphrodite, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And and that already kind of gained a lot of traction of this body. Um, And we just, I sometimes don't know what Nikita Dragon wants to do or what she's she's saying. She's also been co-opting the identity of Venus Extravaganza. Now, if you all aren't familiar with that, I advise you to go uh, get on your Googles or watch (laughs) Paris is Burning. Venus Extravaganza was a a Latin, uh, Afro-Latina. Yeah black uh, woman in um, Paris is Burning who is unfortunately murdered. It's a documentary. Um, That's not the central focus of it, but it happens during the filming. And uh, Paris is Burning is, of course, the blueprint for shows like Pose. And the blueprint for LGBT culture, despite whatever color you are. Yes. (laughs) Or whatever walk of life you are. Y'all better get into it. I want to get to, when you first saw this video, Char, what what, what was your thoughts around this? Um, Because it's so conflicting 
opinion. I think we should break it down. For me, Ooh, it's just dangerous. I wasn't conflicted because I already know where I stand with Nikita Drag, and I yeah. very I have very strong opinions around what she does. I look at her as someone who's totally inauthentic, um, and I don't trust anything that she does because from the outside looking in, and even when she speaks, it seems as if she lacks the uh, research or the intellectual framework to actually do some of the things that she does, <laughs> like her... Uh, her Venus extravaganza reference. Um, so when this video came out, it looked like sensationalism. Yeah. I'm so sick of trans women who are attracted to men sensationalizing it because what's the big hubbub? It's a man attracted to a woman. That's Can we it. move on? And that was my thing, right? Or how do you view yourself? That's how I'd ask these women. How yes. do you view yourself the, 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 the uh uh, because you feel so compelled to sensationalize this man's attraction to you. How do you view yeah. yourself? Because, see, I'm playing Jane. Nobody knows what Char Jocelle does. Mm-hmm. I, I date. I'm out here. I'm talking to people. I'm doing things. And there's no, there's no hubbub around it. I'm not, unless yeah. I'm being harmed, God forbid, or unless something, you know, that's unsavory is taking place. Well, let's talk about, and I hate to always bring this up because I, I hate to wrap the trans experience in violence and harm because it's so much more than that. But let's talk about the consequences of doing something like this, right? Wrapping up and sensationalizing a moment of being like, oh, these men are, are sleeping with me in private and you're somewhat outing them, mm-hmm. which... One fuels the the narratives and fuels, fuels the, transphobia. The transphobia. It fuels the violence that happens to to black trans women specifically, specifically. On, a, on, a, on a daily basis. We could do a hard stop right there. <laughs> yes. Specifically, yes. it's not happening to the Nikitas. Yes. It's happening to the most marginalized black trans women. Yeah. And what I will also say, oh, I just forgot my train of thought that fast. Keep going. No, and it's, I, I think it's just, it's really, <laughs> it's one of the the people that she outed was celebrity uh, rapper Tyga, who we all know for someone who doesn't pay his bills, but then also he's attached to the Kylie Jenners um, of the world. But he also, has a, he also has a history. He has a history of, of yeah, you know. Liking uh, trans women. And that's his business. And that is his business. And what I'd also challenge women like Nikita to examine is that it takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. So how dare you get upset at being used when you're the one actively participating in the usage of you? (laughs) So if you're upset of men keeping you a secret, maybe you need, in order to get different, you got to do something different. So if you're feeling used and abused, maybe you need to approach dating differently instead of just being so excited that this attractive celebrity man yeah. wants to lay down with you because it's kind of like you you got to understand what comes with that territory. Yeah. You can't then get your feelings hurt and create a music video, quote unquote, outing these men if you are also a willing participant. It takes two to tango. And how are we ever supposed to move forward? We can't. With, you know, uh, just, I we mean, can't. living life and being like, oh, it's no big deal because this man is attracted to this woman. Well, how are we supposed to move forward in that? And also, how are we supposed to call her out continuously for co-opting cultures. We're going to continue the conversation. Lord have mercy. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're talking all things Nikita Dragon right now. And if you don't know, she is all over the internet because she dropped a new song, um, which is titled The the Nickname for Richard, Mm -hmm. which is like the best way for us to say it. And the quickest. Yes. And it's caused all this drama about, you know, one outing, outing people, also the experiences of trans women, um, but also privilege. And we want to talk about the privilege aspect of it. Um, here is a little taste. I could only cut like six seconds of this song. Because oh, it is very explicit. It's foul. Here is that. Come get your boyfriend because he's on my page. Stop, yeah. I blocked his number, but somehow he's still calling. 
Yeah, so that specifically was a part about what is all around this mess of the men that she was, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. kind of outing. But we were talking around the break, Gishar, um, and about the privilege that one has when you can kind of start this. And she actually just tweeted that she just, the song is never going to drop. She just did all of this as a stunt, as a stunt unfortunately. Which she typically does. See, that's my that's always been my issue with her. And what we don't even have time to, to touch on is the intersection of blackness and appropriation and yeah. how right now who's beefing online and, and on Instagram is it seems to be you know cis black women versus trans black yeah. women and, and that goes into our privilege conversation and we've had a we've had a brief conversation about that with Angelica Ross during Project Fierce about the relationships when it comes to trans women and cis black women and how that can... and Angelica has a show yes and she's the turning about point she did an, uh, a show with Bevy Smith and a few others yes. about creating a healing space yeah because at the end of the day typically you know it's men <laughs> they benefit because, you know, a lot of men are doing the do with cis women, doing the do. And when I say doing yeah. the do, I don't explicitly mean sex. Yeah. But they're doing the do with both of us, but keeping us cis and trans women at, at, at each other's necks as well. Yeah. And so the privilege aspect of this is Nikita is a, a, a wealthy influencer who exists. Who's not black. Who's not black, who exists in spaces um, where she can have the privilege of stepping back from any of the violence. There's no violence that's actually, there is a possibility that it could happen. But in her case, she can shield and protect. She has the resources that a lot of people she don't basically, have. She basically, there's always been, already been a fire on fire and yeah. she, what she basically did was grab all of the gasoline from the local shell station and dump that on the fire and hop in her tesla and drive away she yeah. does not she will not be on the receiving end of any of the fallout for this because this is now a community issue now she has you know in her instagram story she is talking about black women which now is making the rounds on black blogs yeah. and you know again it'll be when it comes to violence and all all of the matriculation of the mess that non-black trans women cause affects black black trans women yeah and I think the stats are there, people. You may disagree, but the stats are there. And I it's think it's disproportionate. That's, that's the thing where we're disconnecting because she's doing. She said that she's doing this out to speak up for trans women to say we're. T- I'm tired of you know being with men who you know want to lay with me in private but not in public, and she's over that. But doing that and taking that stance is exactly fueling what we said earlier. And, and also, there's <laughs> ways to express that. Yeah. Why be inflammatory and yeah. divisive? Why why choose that route? There are ways to go about getting that messaging out than to, to than to pull a stunt, a quite literally a stunt yeah. in this way. Do you think this was just for the numbers and the Absolutely. followers and all of that? Absolutely. Nikita is all about attention and controversy. That yeah. is her brand. Her brand is not makeup. It is not dragon beauty. It is attention and controversy. And she's shown that time and time and time and time again. So what is the cleanup from this? Like, what does that really look like? Because it just seems like there's this mess. Everyone's talking about trans issues. And, and being transphobic. I mean, there was someone very popular, a rapper that I just found Her out Her name about. is Asian DeBrat. I have no clue. Who, yeah, they're both terrible people, if you ask me. You know, Asian <laughs> DeBrat is a black woman who's a Trumper, for example. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do you defend... transphobic. Like, th- because so- Nikita included her in her video. And, you know, typically, when trans women are thrown in any sort of drama, people lack creativity with their insults. Mm-hmm. And the default is to misgender. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can you, like... Uh, 
That's so lazy. So what? Be what, creative in insulting me. What's please. the cleanup for this? Like, what what happens now? Do you, I mean? Do hopefully, you just disconnect? hopefully, you know, with the way the news cycle works, is this will come and go. Also, Nikita's star doesn't shine as bright. Where this is something that will dominate the news cycle. She's she, you know, she's a started out as a makeup influencer, um, and I'm hoping this will go away soon. Yeah. I do think that as we trickle into the weekend, it will be a hot topics issue in black barbershops and black beauty shops. Yeah. Um, T.S. Madison did a really, really good video on her Instagram page that I thought was comical because T.S. Madison is minding her business and getting tagged in all of this. See, yeah. this has nothing to do with Nikita. And when you look at the optics, Nikita is someone who has been accused of cultural appropriation, who will spray tan herself, my complexion, <laughs> wear my same cornrows. And the song is not pop. The song is not Olivia Rodrigo. The song is City Girls. The yeah. song is hip hop. Yeah. So that also contributes to the black conversation. And it's just it it goes back to what you yeah. said about the privilege of walking away from the mess you started. Yeah, and the nuances that are attached to this. And yeah. everything is intersectional. And just because you think you can do something, no, it's a it's a trickle down. And what point were you trying to prove? Yeah. What was the exact point you were trying to prove, especially by sensationalizing men that have once been attached to you? Well, lot to know everyone. Does she thoughts. think that's gonna attract a new a new bow for her? Does that is that gonna oh, attract you like at this point? It's running everyone off. This is this is embarrassing, and at this point, it just causes more issues. But let us know what you think. Hit us up at LGT Show online. We love to have you a part of the conversation because we like to read it as well. So we got more show coming up next. Don't go in. Anywhere, of course, what's trending this this hour um, with CBS, the activism, you know, you know, the activist show. <sighs> yes. In the name of the Chopra, <laughs> Huff and Raymond. I do know. We have an update. <laughs> we have a major update about it. Yep. That's coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back top of the hour and we have more show, of course, coming up uh, where we're going to be talking about heteronormativity and what it means and why experts are coming out to say it is harmful and problematic. Um, hmm. And then, of course, we are t- <laughs> and we are also talking about how a new study reveals how much free time you need to be happier. Which now I was about to say I need to definitely get into that. Jeez Louise, actually, Shara and I are gonna have a really good conversation. We're probably gonna have a conversation. We talked before the show today, and I was going through something, and that's that's really it right there mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but right, first, let's get into um, what's trending this hour. It's everything you need to know. You know that uh, CBS, the activist show that everyone was dragging because it was a competition series to basically find America's next top activist. Well, um, CBS, after all the drama, released a statement um, saying that the show has been reimagined. As a result, quote, um, we are changing the format to remove the competitive elements and reimagining the concept into a primetime documentary special. It will showcase the tireless work of six activists and the impact they have advocating for causes they deeply believe in. Each activist will be rewarded a, a cash grant for the organization of their choice as we plan for the original show. Still not interested. Good. I want to know who's all involved as the activists and who's all involved as as the companies kind of sponsoring this. It just CBS, you missed the mark. And also with even the initial rollout, the initial concept and the initial idea, who sat around a boardroom table and greenlit this? I think it speaks. Well, it speaks to our culture. There are. There was. I did <laughs> see a, tr- a, a thread about this online on Twitter, and and um, that people actually screenshotted the people who were involved in this and it was three head 
white men. Shut up. It oh, was. with the creation of it. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, like All I said, the it, people who were around it speaks this. to everything. Yeah. Think about the su- last summer, how fired up everyone was, you know, for, in the name of activism. And it just goes to prove my cynical, pessimistic theory that most people and most organizations are simply performative in their activism. It's simple. Performative. I don't even know what I was going to say anyway. Anyway, I was like, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? I, I mean, it's that simple is what I was trying to say. <laughs> uh, but let's move on. CBS, you do not have a hit on your hands. I'm so sorry. I'm sending you home. Um, a, net, a Newsmax anchor just blew up and angrily cut off an American veteran who was trying to just point out um, that Trump is kind of responsible for this whole thing. Here is the moment. It is explosive. Coordination of problems. Joe, I'm gonna, Joe, I'm gonna cut you. I, I'm already, I'm already weak. I'm already low on time, Joe. Joe, I'm, cut him off, please. Cut him off now. Cut him off now. You're not gonna blame this on President Trump on my show. That's not happening. Now I appreciate the work that you're doing. God bless you for being a veteran. God bless you for trying to get Americans out. But don't come on this program and take the talking points of the left and blame President Trump. That's not helping anybody. The Biden administration screwed this up. From the very start, you know it, I know it, the country knows it. And to call them not hostages, I don't know how you don't call them hostages. They're stuck in Afghanistan with a country overrun with terrorists that are willing There's to kill them There's a lot of spit particles flying from the... I can't even <laughs> see it, but I can hear it. But here's the thing. You know, conservatives are, are so our country this. We love our veterans. We love right. our people who fight for us. <laughs> and you're willing to literally scream at this yep. man and cut him off just yep. for mildly trying to present that maybe Trump's handling and what he did is also yep. the reason why this is happening. Yep. Oh, y'all don't care about the flat. Y'all don't care about then, none of this. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The, I mean, the, I got to temper myself on this subject. All I'm going to say is, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to get in trouble. It's absolutely ridiculous, <laughs> but let's go into to better things. The T-Report with Char. What's going on over there? <sighs> okay, so speaking of like problematic things on the airwaves, Dancing with the Stars is no stranger to controversy. If you remember a few years back, mm-hmm. your dear friend Karamo Brown defended Sean. Dear Sha- friend? He just <laughs> followed me on Twitter. That's it. I don't know that man. But Karamo defended Sean Spicer. Remember when Sean Spicer, Spicy, was casted on Dancing with the Stars? Well, now host, the new host and EP of the show, supermodel and entrepreneur Tyra Banks, is defending defending Olivia Jade Giannulli, who we know from the, what are they calling it, the Varsity Blues scandal. Yes, 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 which a lot of the parents are going on trial recently, I think. I've got to make sure to tune into that. Well, anyway, Tyra is calling Olivia brave. In a recent interview with Entertainment Tonight, Banks said, I think Olivia is so brave. I think people I think people don't know her. And they only know what happened to her. She has said that she did not know what was going on, and that's really sad. And it's very hurtful when something publicly happens to you uh, had no- and you had nothing to do with it. So I trust that she says that she didn't know. Now, Banks, who is 47, which I don't know why that's relevant to the story, said Olivia (laughs) will use her time on the ABC Dancing Competition show, which premieres September 20th on ABC, to, quote, tell her story and show her vulnerability. So to me, as a viewer, this is Char talking now, not Tyra. This is all part of the machine to, I guess, position Olivia back in our good graces. And it started with the Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith on Facebook. And it was absolutely incredible. If you want to know more about that story, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com. And of course, any of the stuff that we've covered. But now we got more show to get to. Hetero 
performativity. What does it actually mean and why it's harmful? That and more coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Okay, so let's talk heteronormativity, which um, is really interesting because I feel like this word has always been around um, forever, but it's popping up because according to experts, it's actually harmful and problematic. And Shar and I, we saw this and we're like, we kind of want to talk about what that word means to us individually and how it plays a role in our lives. Does it play a role in our lives? And and how we've kind of reworked that or retaught ourselves about it. I don't know. I, I mean, for me, I've most definitely had to relearn how to step out of that heteronormative like world mm-hmm. um but if you don't know 1991 this um a social Theorist Michael Warner coined the term heteronormative to describe the idea that heterosexuality is the default and therefore superior expression of sexuality. Now, that is problematic in its own self. That is. Why, <laughs> why, why are they always talking about superiority? Like, it's just a little weird. Well, you know, like, it's, it's yeah, that's not how I view it. Yeah, and according to this expert who is a licensed uh, clinical psychologist and author of You Can't Fix Them Because They Are Not Broken, um, actually talked about heteronormativity sees only two genders and sees and says relationships are between two opposite sex people. Char, what is your relationship to the word heteronormative? Uh, what what do you think about it? What does it mean to you? So for me in my personal life, heteronormativity is something that I do subscribe to in my personal life. And now, in what ways? The, well, if I'm in relationship with a man because <laughs> I'm just listen. Can I be honest Please, on Channel Q or let's not? Let's talk about it. Let's talk I about feel it. the emphasis. I, I feel that it is important to emphasize in my personal life, which yeah. means it affects no one but me and who I'm in relationship to. I right. want to be clear on that. Yeah. Uh, because and, I think people feel like if you're trans, or you're automatically some form of queer, and like people conflict that. Right. And I am not. Yes. We know yes. that I famously have caused some stirs on social media because I do not identify as queer. Personally, I do not. Does that take away from other people's experiences and them identifying as queer? No. But as far as I'm concerned, and and that's a conversation for another day, I do not. And everybody has to be okay with that because I'm okay with everybody else. Of course. Okay. (laughs) I want to be clear. (laughs) Sorry, I'm triggered from the online. Uh, but no, in my personal, like, seriously, when um, as a woman, because I do identify, I don't identify as anything like in between. I identify as a woman, as the woman that I am. Yeah. And I date men. Now, whether that be trans men, cis men, I date men. So my relationships are heteronormative in yeah. that way. And when I say heteronormative, I, I do not mean gender roles as far as like, oh, he taking out the trash and I'm washing the dishes. Okay, that's interesting. I'm happy you said that. But I mean in ways where if I don't, if you in the relationship with me don't make me feel mm-hmm. like, like, the, like the woman, like yeah. Aretha says, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Then there's really no point in us in us yeah. in us being in relationship with one another. Now, some people may view that as problematic. Maybe I have some growing to do, <laughs> but as of now, that's where I stand with it. Okay, I thank you for breaking that down because for me, it has me thinking. I, you know, I grew up in the South. Obviously, everyone knows that. And um, I, as a queer person, I didn't even have the language to say queer back then. I was just gay. I automatically. What is the difference? Well, for me, queer. 
Um, I, we break this down. Me and Shai have broken this down. But for me, queer, I feel like I don't necessarily identify with any of the letters in the LGBTQ right. world, except for queer. Because for me, I think queerness is all about nuance to how I fit into a community. Mm-hmm. And for me, I come at everything from an intersectional lens. And, and that's just what I feel is queer. Is queer for and me. And we should mention people can be queer. Because I just recently learned this. You can be queer in gender yes. and in queer in sexuality. Yes, yes, yes. So can. they're not exclusive. But go ahead. You grew up in the South. Yeah, and I, I think especially I learned in, in the gay community specifically that if you are a top or a bottom, there has to be these roles attached to it that sometimes subscribes yes. to heteronormativity. Oftentimes. Oftentimes, <laughs> right? And for me, I remember when I first had my first boyfriend, um, we were in those roles, mm-hmm. right? Like, And I think as I've grown and learned about expression and learned what I was into and, and learned how that was so toxic and, and expecting someone to be the man of the relationship and the, the woman of the relationship. Which is subjective. Yes, right. But those still come they, with their own yes, ideas. Yes. Yeah. It's still, it's just so problematic, right? And it's, it's, it's something that I feel it still has a hold on our community and the idea of one finding these heteronormative roles and then also the straight people are straight allies who look into it being like, I ha- I don't know how many times I've been asked by a straight person to be like, are you the, so are you, are you the man or the are woman? You, are you the girl or the boy? <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think that is so... That's them asking, inquiring about like your sexual, your sexual position. position. Yes, if you're... And so for me, I if think... If you're taking or receiving. Heteronormativity, before I had the language about it, I had no clue that's what we were playing into. And for no, me, that's what yeah. that means when you are putting the this the you know the 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 sexuality of the straightness of it all mm-hmm. of cis het folks onto and bringing into a queer space which I feel like being LGBTQ you're not supposed to have any of that we are we are people who are are one just exploring ourselves and finding ourselves outside of that normal world that everyone is trying to the box that everyone's trying to put us in yeah and I think for me heteronormativity is is still something that really plagues our community in ways that is you just unhealthy to, and you have to I think it'll be better for future generations you have to factor in what a lot of us and our peers were raised with. We yeah. were raised in very heteronormative societies. It was in everything that we saw, everything that we did, every yeah. piece of media we consumed, whether that be book, movie, documentary, whatever. Yeah. And so anything else was like, basically, you're going to hell or you're dying or any. It or, was just, it, or it was underrepresented yeah, or to under, a point yeah. where it's like, and then if it were represented, it weren't glamorized yes. in the way that heteronormativity yes. was, where you could live a well rounded, fulfilling life. It's always some type of trauma. that comes along and that's not taking away from the very real life effects Mm -hmm. of being trans and or queer however it was not something that we saw glamorized and I think that that's embedded in lots of people's subconscious and it dictates how they navigate the world myself included I mean mean, sometimes I even fall back into it sometimes and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I want us to continue this conversation because I want to know though are there pros and cons to heteronormativity? Should we get into that? Mm. Are you ready to kind of spill a little tea? <laughs> All right, we're going to keep this conversation going. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Okay, so we are having a great discussion about heteronormativity and what it really meant means to us individually. And I, I wanted, and I posed the question before we got out of here, was... Are there pros and cons to heteronormativity? Is it just all problematic? What do you think? Again, this is something that's so complicated because it's nuanced and yeah. it's very case by case. 
Um, we got time. When I think of pros of heteronormativity, I think of, this is going to sound problematic, but I think of <laughs> certain expectations okay. that I have in my male partners. Mm. Um, granted, I like to think You said that, that's a pro. Yes. Okay. Because I like to think that I create a safe space for uh, partners that I have to come to me with anything, as I would as as I would hope that they would. Ryan, why are you making faces? Because you're making me laugh. Well, I think... You're making me laugh, and I'm being very serious right now. No, I'm just trying not to put our personal business <laughs> over the airway because I just think I think sometimes... you think I don't make it a safe space for male my male partners to come to me with anything. You know. Um, Wow, this is... Do you all hear this? Do you all hear this? That is so crazy. I, no, I think you do. But like you said last break, you said you, you know, like the idea of kind of a man being a man. And I think oftentimes heteronormativity puts masculinity in, in, a box. in a box in what to expect. And I think that inherently, you know, fuels toxic masculinity, right? It can. It um, can. And I, I think there there can be a burden when it comes to that, right? Because you are expecting um, a man to, you know, kind of be... What I will say is, in fairness, most men that engage with me expect me to be a certain way. Hmm. And so... Can you elaborate? Um, well, I'm naturally feminine. My feminine femininity is not a performance. Yeah. I'm a naturally feminine girl. Yeah. Uh, well, woman, excuse me. I'll be 34 in January. Oh. And, um... And I think that there's just certain, like, when I think about conversations is like, meet the parents. I've had some of those conversations mm -hmm. before. There's a certain level of performance that comes with that, but I don't have to perform because I am exactly who I say I am. Yeah. What you see is what you get, right? I, I, I do subscribe to those traditionally feminine things. I enjoy having my hair done. I enjoy having, like, my nails are not going to be checked. Yeah. You know, yeah. there is perfume. There's fragrance. My hair is going to be done. Makeup, like, yeah. so there's just certain things that naturally come with me, but I believe that with that comes the expectation of me not to present otherwise. Interesting. Yeah. I, I And I think that's even interesting even for me because I'm trying to, like, review some of, like, my ways, especially now that I'm d dating. There are times where I, honestly, I'm, I don't really have a type, but I do have a type. And we've talked about it here where, you know, I won't date people who are, you know, a Shorter. certain height. Yeah. Um, and even then, I have to even be honest. I feel like I am looking at people's profiles or reading their profiles or even if I'm talking to someone and I went on a date not too long ago and... There are certain things that I want my partner to kind of be mm -hmm. inherently. And I don't know if that's... We all have our little biases. Yeah, and I don't know if that is because that is a... But we um, all make compromises as well. And I don't know if that's because of kind of like some of that heteronormativity of like what we talked about last break about kind of the roles of it all. Yeah. Like that the is just is, something I'm still working and trying to break through where I'm not is, falling I'm back with, into it. When I'm with a man, I need to feel like... You the need bar, to feel like a woman. The bar is on, on the floor, but I need to feel safe. Mm. I need to feel valued. I need to feel seen. And I need to feel heard. Those are my top four. And then the, uh, also the double C's that aren't Chanel. I need care and compassion. What if your man's wearing nail polish? He can wear clear nail polish. I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> Black nail polish. He can do that as well. Purple. Now you, you know, they're just, <laughs> I have to adapt. Like I have to, there are certain things which I'll go on record with yeah. saying, like I said, some listeners, maybe this is controversial. Maybe y'all are going to hate me after this. Yeah. I don't want to be shopping in the same section as my man. And I know that we're in this space of like, 
uh, what is it, inclusivity, yeah, like clothing and stuff. And not, I don't and want my man wearing yeah. my sports bra to go work out. Yeah. I don't want my man wearing my heels. I don't want my man dabbling in my makeup. I personally, right, right. that's not something that I, I, I want. Yeah. And maybe I'll expand. Maybe I'm antiquated. But, I mean, this is just a, my personal preference as of yeah. now. Who knows where I'll be next year? But I think this is why this a conversation like this is so necessary because it does show the nuances of it and, and what people need and, and want and even the growth that can take place. And afterward. I should say, I want to reiterate, yeah. you can do whatever you want to do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm talking about men who I, me, yes. charge ourselves yes. are in fellowship with on a sexual and a romantic yeah. level. This is a conversation These are my between expectations. Us. People just listening to our experiences. But I, I them to know before yeah. people get their Twitter fingers clicking and clacking, yeah, yeah. you and your partner or partners, because I know a lot of people polyamorous, that's another thing. <laughs> I'm a monogamous person. Y'all can do whatever your heart desires. All right. Well, I, I honestly am just loving today's show. We are having some real spicy talk. Y'all never get, y'all will never get this type of call. We, we, we talk like this on the phone, not over and the air. And this is the G-rated version. This, exactly. <laughs> All right, we got more show coming up next. Are we, we're talking about AOC, right? Well, the conservative groups are attacking her once again over the Met Gala drama. <laughs> we thought it was over. It's nowhere near to be done. Jeez, so Louise. Let's get into that after the break. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Conservatives are bored again uh, because they're still talking about the Met Gala and AOC being at the Met Gala. And a conservative group literally filed this group called the American Accountability Foundation. Is wow, claiming that- that's rich coming from Republicans. <laughs> That is really rich. They are claiming that her attendance should count as an illegal gift since attendees were handpicked by Vogue editor Anna Wintour and the magazine company Condé Nast, and therefore not a gift from a charitable organization. What? Um, yeah, I don't know. This is really intense. So they basically wrote a whole, like letter about this. They filed an ethics complaint saying there are serious questions about whether or not her ticket donated or purchased was with, or, or was purchased with campaign funds. There's not serious questions about that though. It I, was it's public record, she, is it not? And my thing is she also she also said something about it. She said uh, they further went on to say these rules exist for a reason. Without strict adherence we run the risk of corruption in the wow. halls of uh, Congress wow. and public officials serving others over their constituents. Wow. Government has a responsibility to its citizens and integrity and accountability should be our foremost concern. What what world do these people live in? <laughs> How dare you be a conservative watchdog organization to oh try to God. hold anyone ac- accountable? How dare you? Are you all kidding me? It's embarrassing. And then and then uh, and then in your statement say we run the risk of corruption in the halls of Congress? Like, yeah, there's been corruption. Remember all those times this where is, uh, people were, like, saying that the, the insurrectionists this were just a, sweet people who were visiting and touring? Tourists. <laughs> this is a stand-up comedy routine at this point. It's not even gaslighting. Like, you all this? are literally a Netflix comedy special it at this point. It makes no sense to me. In a statement, though, from Ocasio-Cortez's office, um, she did say that it did not run afoul of the rules, uh, saying, quote, we are confident we compiled with, uh, complied with all ethics rules. Yeah, I mean, y'all just leave her alone at this point. I, I'm just over it. It's one of those things where they're literally grasping for straws. But this is always so doing. uneventful. This is so, you know, par the course. Mm-hmm. And it's so boring. Aren't you all tired? Aren't you all tired? Yeah, well, I'm tired of talking about this. We Me have more too. show coming up next. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's time for our yet. Yes, Queen, you know my favorite time of the show, honestly, where we literally highlight someone who deserves and is creating a major change in either their community or other people's lives. And this one goes out to Brooklyn Harker, who just kicked off her first year playing varsity football, not as a kicker, as some might assume, but as a free safety starter and second and third string wide receiver. I have no clue what okay, any of those Okay, now, I, I was about to say, I know what a wide receiver is, okay. I believe, but I don't know what the other thing the safety starter. So she can tackle? I, no, wide receiver, I think that they uh, they catch the, you know how they stand behind the person, they catch the ball and they do the running. I think she gets tackled, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. So she I is know getting, a little bit about football. Well, guess what? She is 16 years old. She's a high school a junior I and think. sole female player for the Chapel Hill Tigers in North Carolina. And she helped and this her is, team win its first home game, 55 to 6. This is groundbreaking. This is south of the Mason-Dixon yeah, line, North wow. Carolina. Wow. She said this, I like being aggressive and I have a a highly competitive side um, where she basically, she's named uh, Brooklyn, she's named for the New York City borough where her grandparents have roots. Um, oh, she, like Kenya Moore's daughter. Yeah, she talked to uh, Yahoo Life about why she likes football and she started playing the game in third grade with fat flag... <laughs> Like football, and then move into tackle by schools. Um, she said this. Uh, she's always been really tough and um, and tumble. Her mom actually said she can really hold her own out there with the boys, and she's played so many different positions. That's the big wow factor. Obsessed with you, Brooklyn Harker. Love this. You get our yes, queen. So, yeah, I'm very excited for you. Now, that's our show for today. Make sure to stick around because Loveline is happening where he's covering, Dr. Chris is covering parenting styles. And on tomorrow's show, we are talking about how a new study reveals how much free time you may actually need to be happier, which, please, you're preaching to the choir. I need to know. Okay. That's the end of the show. Sharjah Sale is closing out the week with me. I am. I love having you here. Final day tomorrow. Mm. We're going to make it even more spicier. <laughs> Thank you for always listening. Always remember to slay. Bye, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.